Hello and welcome back yet again to another episode of the Duffy's Fantasy Football Podcast. This is episode 13, the week 6 recap. And once again, for the third week in a row, I have to start off discussing another Miami Dolphins loss. There's three straight losses. First loss being against the Bengals when Tua got knocked out in the second quarter. Second loss being against the Jets that Teddy Bridgewater couldn't even play. Seventh round rookie quarterback has to come and step in. We all know how that went. And then this week against the Vikings. This week it looked like we had a better shot at the beginning. We were able to immediately get a three and out. Skylar Thompson comes in, gets us down the field, and we have like, what, five or six offensive penalties in that one series where we would get ourselves in a field goal range, make a big play, get knocked back 10 yards, make another big play, get knocked back another 10 yards, make another big play, and knock back 15 yards. It was it was just embarrassing, terrible, hard to watch. I'm not really too worried, though. 3-3 three and three is definitely a lot better than we were last year still. And two is back. This Sunday night, we got the Steelers, and I'm really not concerned at all. Of the whole Brian Flores hype, not worried about it. Is it any information he can bring? He has no information on how to stop this new offense. Because this offense did not look like this under his regime. Right? And just before I go into the fantasy headlines, I'm just going to read off a couple of these stats from this game. Just because I, I love reading these stats now, because it really gives you that perspective and how crazy, especially how crazy it was that we ended up losing this game. Total offensive yards, the Dolphins had 458. The Vikings only had 234. We had 23 first downs. The Vikings had 11. And now here's when you find out why we lost. We had three turnovers. The Vikings had none. We had 10 penalties for 97 yards, and they had two penalties for 20 yards. The only good thing I could take away from this game, realistically, was our defense. Our defense did step up. They kept us in that game as long as they could. They forced the Vikings to punt 10 times. That is not a small amount. That's not something that just happens every Sunday. 10 punts. But a team with Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen and Dalvin Cook. So... The defense did exactly, if Skylar Thompson didn't get hurt, if he didn't hurt his hand, maybe he stayed in the game. It looked like he had a good flow. I mean, Mike McDaniels made this comment uh, later in the week last week when they were questioning why, if Teddy Bridgewater is good to play, why is he going to be backing up Skylar Thompson? And his reasoning, which is pretty good reasoning, is that throughout the week when they're practicing and setting in their offensive plans, that he wants somebody who's going to be there who's practicing throughout that week and actually getting an understanding of what they're trying to do offensively in that game. Teddy Bridgewater could not. He couldn't practice until Friday or whatever it was. Skylar Thompson was healthy all week. Simple as that. So I understood it. He did look good in that first drive. It wasn't like world beating, but like he looked like he, he understood the assignment. He knew exactly where he had to go with the ball. He does have great weapons on the offense, so... And Teddy Bridgewater didn't look that bad either. It was just really, I mean, Jalen Waddle. And I hate to say, like, and I'm not going to say, like, it's his fault we lost the game. Because they go and score, and then Teddy Bridgewater immediately throws another interception. So, like, I mean, we were still in it. The defense was trying to keep us in it. And, you know, you saw Jalen Waddle's heartbreak. And it, where was it? Second and 12. Makes a big play. And it was just, he was just trying to do too much. 
He was trying to make a bigger play out of what was already a first down. And the ball gets punched out, turnover. Two plays later, Dalvin Cook, 50-something yard and rushing touchdown. And then we still came back out. I mean, I think, no, we threw another pick. But then we went and scored another touchdown after that. I mean, we tried. It's not like we, we didn't give up. It was down to an onside kick inside the two-minute warning. So it's not like, you know, the team played with heart. And I appreciate that. But now that Daddy Tua is back, expect a different team. But with that being done, I move on to our fantasy headlines. This week's fantasy headlines, I'm going to start it off with Carson Wentz, who did end up getting injured in that Thursday night shitty-ass game. He will be out four to six weeks. Taylor Heineke will be coming in. And I don't know about the pros and the fantasy football experts out there. I look at this as a plus for Curtis Samuel, Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson. Taylor Heineke is a baller. He's a player. I mean, Carson Wentz had been looking decent up until this last game, but now that we understood that he broke a pinky or whatever it was, that's what held him back. I mean, they still ended up winning the game. So we'll see how the commanders look going forward with Taylor Heineke for at least a month. Robbie Anderson, after getting kicked off the field by his coach, who's tired of losing, and I get him, you know, I mean, I'm sure he said some disrespectful ass things. Steve Wilkes ain't no joke, said, get the hell off my field. Cool. But what Robbie Anderson said the next day or post-game interview, whatever it was, he's been in the league six years and he's tired of losing. And every team he's been on, it's not like they're a fringe team. They're not a eight and eight team or nine now I guess seventeen and nine and eight team or you know it's either it's he's always been on losing teams like they just have losing records they have no shot and he wants to win and I appreciate that because everybody thinks like oh just because these guys make millions of dollars they should just show up and do their job and shut up but there's a part of you that I mean most people do have that you want to win like it doesn't matter if I'm getting paid millions of dollars or if you're doing something for free that competitive edge is what drives you to even be that great. If these guys that are in the NFL didn't love winning, they probably wouldn't be where they are right now. Like, yeah, like you can say like some people just have raw talent, a genetic code that made them huge beasts. But why work so hard to lose? Why get paid all this money to just lose and be embarrassed? So as soon as you retire, your legacy is lost. Nobody even cares about you. I respect it. Well, after Cooper Rush finally played the Eagles and the Eagles, I mean, it's not, the Eagles offense wasn't all that impressive either. The Cowboys did pretty good job defensively. If they had Dak Prescott, I'm not saying they would have won, but it would have been a much different game. But on that note, Dak Prescott is expected to be cleared by doctors this week, should be back at practice. And after Cooper Rush did not play super well on Sunday, there should be no quarterback competition. Dak Prescott should be starting this week. Already said earlier, Tua will be back. Cleared concussion protocols on Saturday. Was unable to play on Sunday because he was already declared inactive and it was too late to change. It's just stupid NFL rules. Deshaun Jackson just signed with the Ravens either yesterday or today. Crazy. 15th season, another new team. I mean, who knows? I don't, I'm not saying I'm going to pick. I'm not. I wouldn't pick him up. <clears throat> I'm not crazy enough to pick him up and the only way I'd pick him up is if he had one or two games consecutive of just balling out and by that point someone else would have already picked him up anyways but I would never trust putting him in my lineup just because you know coming off the streets hasn't 
been in training camp, hasn't been practicing. I know he has like the uh, the awareness. He has his veteran mentality in him, and he knows how to play ball. But 15 seasons as a wide receiver and a speedy guy at that, with all the injuries he's racked up. I mean, good for him getting another bag. And when one person comes, another person goes. Cam Akers. Cam Akers on Friday or Saturday, whichever it was, doesn't matter. Spontaneously left the team. Was out for personal reasons. Went from healthy to out. And as speculation grew during the weekend, the rumors really were circulating that he just wants out. He doesn't like where this team is going. He doesn't like the way that they're using him. And he wants to go. He wants out. And now after this week ended, Monday, Sean McVay basically just said, yeah, like we're looking to trade him and give him a new fresh start. So basically, Cam Akers said, I want the fuck out of here. I ain't playing this Sunday. Dipped. And now they're just going to trade him. Surprisingly, they didn't cut him. I mean, look at Robbie Anderson. Robbie Anderson got sent off the field Sunday, and by Monday at noon, he was already shipped to Arizona. It was just crazy. Like, come on, Packers. You need help. They sent a seventh-round pick to Carolina for Robbie Anderson. Arizona did. And they don't really need him like that. You know, I mean, it's nice. It's a nice uh, wide receiver group they got there now. You got old, decrepit A.J. Green. You got Rondell Moore, who can't get on the field. You got Marquise Brown, who might be out for the season because we're still waiting on the update on his foot injury. And they're getting DeAndre Hopkins back, of course. James Conner just missed a week. You know, Benjamin looked like trash, so hopefully they get James Conner. Who knows? CMC, those trade talks are starting to get louder. I mean, I don't know what's really going to happen because it looks like the way the rumors are going around is that a 26-year-old running back who has had multiple injuries and has not been able to stay healthy and stay on the field is not something that GMs and owners value super highly. Like, yeah, they might pay him, but to give up more than one first round, even to give up a first round pick for a 26-year-old, quote-unquote, injury-prone running back, that's not something that happens. That It really doesn't. And the way that those rumors are circulating, they're really making it seem like Carolina's just asking for a lot. So we'll see. I mean, if he gets traded to the Bills, I know last week I kind of, I'm going to back down on what I said last week, that if he goes to the Bills, he might be a monster. If he goes to the Bills, he could still be very productive fantasy-wise and definitely productive on the field. But there's still going to be Devin Singletary. There's still going to be Zach Moss. There's still Stephon Diggs. There's still Gabe Davis. Even Dawson Knox, who hasn't had a great year, but he had a decent week this week. It looks like he'll be a little healthier. Like, they're not, and it's Josh Allen and the Bills. Like, it's not like a team that they're just constantly dumping it off. Like, yeah, of course, they're going to design screenplays for him. They're going to my, I mean, who knows? I mean, if he goes to the Bills, actually, now I'm thinking about it. They can go ahead and throw him in the slot receiver, and he can still go run routes, but we'll see. Another team I think that was mentioned was the Rams. That'd be pretty interesting. That'd actually be a team they'd probably ball out for because the way that O-line has been playing and the way Stafford has looked, they'd be dumping it off to him 12 times a game. Eh, well, I guess Cooper Cup is there, but now he doesn't have to force it down the field as much. They might actually play better. Because they know they have a very strong running back option out of the backfield to catch and run the ball. Continuing with the trade talks, Mike Kosicki has found himself again in trade rumors. Kind of makes sense. I feel like, you know, things like that always happen. They showed out their tight end this week. He had his two touchdowns. You know, he's one of the studs or stunners, as I renamed it. 
of the weeks for tight ends. Um, I don't know how other Dolphin fans feel. I mean, I do have a lot of love for Mike Kosicki. I know that he's a great talent. It's just, I understand that they need him to be a better blocker than he is, and he's just not. And he's a liability when he's on the field if we're not having him run out and go for a pass. If we're running the ball and he's on the field, he gets blown by. We need stronger. I mean, like, look at, like, George Kittle. I mean, even though George Kittle's had a bad fantasy year, NFL-wise, George Kittle is still highly valuable on the field, even if he only has two or three catches, because he will drive a defensive lineman all the way into the end zone. I don't know if you guys remember that highlight from last year where he drove a dude back, like, 15 yards into the end zone and just laid on him. Like, that's no joke. And then I just wanted to mention before I move on that the Bucks and the Packers, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, both lost. I don't know which game was more surprising. I know the Packers have been struggling offensively overall, losing to the Jets, making the Jets feel like they're on top of the world and they're the best team in the league. Crazy. Now, now when the Dolphins play the Packers on Christmas, if the Dolphins win, like it already takes away from me. So if we beat the Packers, I'll be like, well, the Jets beat them. So now I'm thinking we better beat them instead of me thinking like, what a great win. And then the Bucks losing, I just don't know what's going on there. I mean, every, you know, a lot of people were speaking about how Brady didn't, you know, he misses his Wednesdays already. Didn't practice Friday. Didn't even travel with the team because he went to Robert Kraft's wedding. Who Robert Kraft married a woman half his age. So I don't even, that's kind of weird in itself. So I don't know. Just kind of a weird week. It's kind of been a weird NFL year. But, I mean, I see Brady falling off the off the you know cliff a little faster than Aaron Rodgers would have this year. I'm saying, like, not age-wise, because obviously Brady's 45, you know. There's a lot of Brady hate, and I'm not going to sit here and say Brady sucks, Brady sucks. Like, he's 45 years old. He has seven rings. It is what it is. Like, you know, what is he supposed to do? Be amazing? That's why he should have just stayed retired. Retire on top of the world. Should have retired when he won that Super Bowl. But hey, to each his own. With that, it's time for the stunners and the bummers from this past NFL weekend. First, we start off always with our quarterback stunners of this week. A little bit of a changeup. The only name that's in here that's been in here consistently is Josh Allen. But this week's number one fantasy quarterback, finally returning to some type of relevance, Joe Burrow. You're welcome, Jordan. So, just real quick, little side note. Earlier in the week, Jordan was asking me, oh, who should he start, Kirk Cousins, or should he start Joe Burrow? And I told him, and it wasn't like a dolphin bias thing. I was like, Kirk Cousins has not oh, not been a great fantasy quarterback in his career. He has, has, has had, obviously, great games. He does have great talent. Jordan's note was how bad the Dolphins' defense has been lately, but I'm like, if you really look at our Dolphins' defense, right, week one, we completely shut down the Patriots. Week two, we played the Ravens. Obviously, Lamar Jackson went off, but that's Lamar Jackson, who also had 115 yards rushing and a rushing touchdown. Kirk Cousin isn't going to do that. Week three, Josh Allen has a good game. He has the 4,400 passing yards, but they only scored 17 offensive points in 40 minutes of offensive playing time. And then week four against the Bengals, I mean, Joe Burrow was okay. It was kind of like he got two touchdowns after Tua went out and the soul was sucked out of our team. Pause. 
Um, week five, we play the Jets. Zach Wilson, like we lost that 40 to 17, but it wasn't a Zach Wilson show. It was a Brees Hall and Michael Carter show. And then, yeah, so I kind of went against it. I said Joe Burrow is probably going to have a better game. And he did. Joe Burrow had 35.5 fantasy points off of 28 of 37 passing, 300 yards, even for three touchdowns. Great game. And the funny thing is, is that if he would have started Kirk Cousins, and I'm not saying, like, I don't know if um, Jordan started Joe Burrow because of what I said, but that was just my advice to him. If he would have started Kirk Cousins, then Angel would have got his first win. So, sorry, Angel, but you're on 5 Papa. After Joe Burrow, welcome back, Matty Ice. Matt Ryan had 30.16 fantasy points, completed 42 of his 58 pass attempts, Jesus Christ, for 385 yards and three touchdowns as well. What did Joe Burrow, oh, Joe Burrow must have had some type of rushing stats that I overlooked. So I'm like, how does he have more yards and have less? But, you know, whatever. After that, as I said earlier, Josh Allen, once again, another great week, 29.36 fantasy points, completed 27 of his 40 attempts for 329 yards and three touchdowns. And then Marcus Mariota. It's kind of funny. See, you have Matt Ryan, former Falcon, Mariota, current Falcon. Mariota had 26.16 fantasy points this week, completed 13 of, four, 13 of 14, which is impressive <laughs> completion percentage-wise and also head-scratching with, uh, <laughs> with being a quarterback and all and playing the whole game and only having 14 pass attempts. He had 129 yards, two touchdowns, and then he had six rushes for 50 yards, and they beat. The Niners. Huh. That's crazy. After that, Trevor Lawrence returned to some type of relevance after having that great blow-up week and then being humbled for about two, three weeks in a row. He had 25.9 fantasy points, completed 21 of his 23 pass attempts, which is impressive, but only had 168 yards passing, which kind of makes it questionable, so probably just a lot of dump-offs. And had a passing touchdown and then two rushes for one touchdown. I mean, not really bad. It's kind of funny to look at these weeks and you just see, like, because most of the weeks I've seen a lot of good quarterback performances. And this week, there wasn't there wasn't many. I mean, there's a, as the weeks have gone on, the performances have become more average. Where, like, at the beginning of the year, it was, like, a bunch of guys balling out. and And then, like, some good performances and then just terrible now i'm just seeing a lot of like starting quarterbacks they're just evening out like it's like 15 15 16 17 18 so i mean it's i feel like everybody's got their legs under them and are starting to just like average out returning back to the mean for our wide receiver stunners you got jamar chase i think this is his first time this year being well definitely his first time this year being top of the charts at 30.2 fantasy points Caught seven of his 10 targets for 132 yards, two touchdowns. Perfect. Stefan Diggs, another name that has been consistently mentioned in our studs or stunners. Uh, well, I mean, when Josh Allen has been balling out all year, you're going to expect Stefan Diggs. Because it's funny when you really look. I mean, I know Gabe Davis is a great fantasy option. But if you look at, like, just NFL-wise, like, who would you, like, when you look at that wide receiver group, it is Stefan Diggs. And then Gabe Davis right underneath. And if we're looking at the 
difference of skill and between the two, it is a far gap. Like, it's not like Gabe Davis is going to go to another team and become wide receiver one. Not that he's terrible, but he's not going to another team and making that team better with his talent. Just like, you know what I mean? Like, Josh Allen is definitely making Gabe Davis look better. And Stefan Diggs, since he draws a lot of attention, is making him look better. But obviously, he has a lot of speed. And he has good route running abilities. I mean, I mean, kind of just like a generic thing to say at this point, because most receivers in NFL do nowadays. But it's just, it, Diggs' skill over Gabe Davis is just far. You know, it, it's it's really crazy when you think about it. And then Mike Pittman, welcome back, Pity City. I wish I was on the fantasy football po- podcast, the fantasy football ballers podcast, so I can drop their little. We built this city. Michael Pittman had 26.4, caught 13 of his 16 targets for 134 yards. Well, I mean, yeah, 16 targets, of course. Matt Ryan had 58 pass attempts. After that, Brandon Ayuk, he had 26.3, caught 8 of his 11 targets for 83 yards and 2 touchdowns in a losing effort. You see the difference? Force the ball to Ayuk, you lose. Feed Debo Samuel. Chase Claypool who is on the waivers and should stay on the waivers, in my opinion, had 22.4, caught all seven of his targets, 96 yards and a touchdown. Good for you, buddy, for returning back to relevance. And speaking of a Steeler who used to be relevant, Juju Smith-Schuster, 21.3 fantasy points, caught all five of his targets, congrats. 113 yards and a touchdown. One of the... Uh, catches was like a 40-something yard catch. And I remember seeing on Twitter from one of these NFL guys who there's, I don't even remember, I can't even remember all the names because there's millions of NFL experts in the world. I guess I'm trying to add myself to the group so I shouldn't talk shit. Um, they're like, if Tyreek Hill was the target instead of Juju on that pass attempt from Mahomes, it might have been a touchdown instead of a 43-yard uh, completion. But hey, I mean, they did lose, right? Yeah, they, they lost to the Bills. Oh, and Mahomes had two interceptions. Josh Allen had none. Jeez. For our running back stunners, Deion Jackson, my pickup of the week. God, how disappointing my team is, bro. I picked up Deion Jackson like Saturday night, something like that. Decided to start him right off rip, no questions. And my other, one of my other leagues, I picked him up as well. Started him, no questions. And then... It's funny though, in my 10 man league, because these are this league and the other league that I picked up Deion Jackson are 12 man leagues. So basically, the waiver should be more depleted. There should be less opportunistic players available. Deion Jackson was picked up last Friday. Like, not the Friday that just passed, I'm about the Friday before that, when Naheem Hines went down in that Thursday night game when those Colts Broncos. He was picked up. Crazy to me. Um, but yeah, Deion Jackson went off. He had 28.1 fantasy points, 12 rushes for 42 yards, and a touchdown. But he caught all 10 of his targets for 79 yards. It's crazy. Just his receiving stats alone, that's 17.9. And, and then, then he gets hurt. Then he gets a quad injury. So who knows if he's healthy or will be healthy by the end of this week. And Taylor and Naheem Hines are likely to return. So I picked him up for one week. 
He was the highest scorer on my team, the highest scoring running back of this week, and I still lost. Crazy. Ramondre Steven blah, 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 blah. I'm keeping this in so you can laugh at me. Ramondre Stevenson, 25.1 fantasy points, 25 rushes, 161 yards, and had four catches for 15. The four catches for 15 are not like impressive, but I like to write that down because it's like you realize the four catches is four points, that 15 it's another 1.5, so he had 5.5 extra on top of his 161 rushing yards. I mean, Ramondre's probably going to have a rocking year, bro. As long as Damian Harris stays out, he's going to continue to just impress because that that offense. I mean, Belichick now, without like all the talent he used to have and without having Brady, of course, just like how last year. like Damian Harris had, what, like 18 touchdowns last year? They're going to keep running the ball. They're going to do the simple things. Their O-line is strong. After that, Eckler, once again, another stunner week. After starting off the year really slow, now all of a sudden he's turning it up. At 24.3 fantasy points, 14 rushes for 36 yards, but had a rushing touchdown. And he caught 10 of 16 targets for 47 yards. Crazy. Christian McCaffrey, once again, back in our stunners. Good for him, staying healthy, being relevant, even though they just fired their coach. And lost Baker and went through P- and PJ Walker went out and they started whoever their fourth stringer was crazy. Had 13 rushes for 69 yards and then had seven catches for 89. And then Lenny Fournette, Mr. Leonard, 21.1 fantasy points this week. He ran the ball 21 times. Not something we've seen in the last few weeks. He had like he had like 10 to 12 rushes at most and then just catching the ball a ton. He had 20 rushes for 63 yards, caught six passes for 38 yards, and had a touchdown. Another great week for Lenny. And then it's crazy because he kind of looks so. Well, the Colts did win, the Patriots won. So those are the top two. And then you look at the next three Eckler, Christian McCaffrey, Leonard Fournette. All lost. Their teams all lost. Tight end stunners this week. Mike Gesicki, number one tight end. Welcome back, buddy, just to get traded away most likely. But what people need to understand is that this is what NFL teams, NBA teams do this too. When they're trying to shop a player, you can't just have him in the pinch. You can't have him not targeted. You need to drop plays for him. You need to show off their talent, right, to get them open, to do whatever, to get their stats up so that you can use that video and use that as trade incentive to try to get more for that player. I'm not saying for sure that's what happened, but just know that that happens all the time. Like, cause there's two ways. So like, if you have a player that's so great that you want to get rid of, then you might bench him and not play him at all. This happens more in the NBA. If they are a certified type of worth already, right? Like you don't want to risk injury and just let him sit out until we find a trade partner. But if you have a player who Mike Kosicki like had a, he's on a franchise tag, so the money is already not a problem for any team who wants to take him on. They have to negotiate with him on their own already. It's not the NBA. We don't do sign and trades. They have to show like okay, like this guy is valuable. He's a good offensive talent. You can't just hide Kosicki on the bench and then go out and request, you know, a second, third round pick or some type of value piece on either offense or defense as a player from any team when all they can see is they had 
one shitty gritty against the Ravens. And the rest of the time, he's either had terrible blocks or he's not playing at all. And you got tight ends that you never heard of on the field catching passes. After Gesicki, Mark Andrews, once again, who's just... Let me tell you guys, in my other league, bro, I drafted Kyle Pitts. And Mark Andrews was on the board. And I drafted Pitts. And my argument was that I don't trust the Ravens' offense. I don't trust Lamar throwing. And I, I was basically just gambling on Kyle Pitts, you know having his breakout year that's literally what i gambled it on because if in that moment if you would have asked me who is better right now i know it's mark andrews but fantasy football you know that sometimes you have to take that gamble take that risk try to get that next breakout player and i thought it would have it still could be pitts i'm not gonna sit here and say that i you know that i haven't lost hope but yeah i can't believe i let andrews go Anyways, he had 22.6 fantasy points, caught seven of his 11 targets, 106 yards, and a touchdown, and they lost to the Giants. The New York football Giants. Congrats. <laughs> this is the first time, I think, I don't know, I, I gotta look this up, but I'm just thinking, like, the Bills, the Jets, and the Giants are just, like, they're all of a sudden the best teams in the North. That's never been a thing. Like, when has that been a thing? Like, the Bills, I mean, for the longest time, the Bills, once they got Josh Allen, I knew things immediately started changing. But before that, they always sucked, right? They they were one of the people that had the Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, experience. Even though a lot of people have so much love for Ryan Fitzpatrick, fuck him. He sucks, okay? That's why he played on nine teams, eight teams, ten. I don't fucking know who cares. Never even played in a playoff game. The Jets are the Jets, Right? And then you got the Giants, who had the two Super Bowl runs, and everything other than that was an 8-8 eight eight season, or they were garbage. Especially since they drafted Daniel Jones, they've been gar garbage. Shout out to Brian Dable for being the best fat guy in New York and carrying this fucking team. It's, it's crazy. Like, it's really crazy. I mean, good for them. Good for you guys. All of y'all. I mean, I expected this from the Bills, obviously. The Jets are now, what, 4-2, and two, so, you know, congrats. You still have, you know... A ways to go and then the Giants I mean just being five and one just gives you like a nice cushion that's how like teams like that have to look at it because I mean let's say the Giants end the season 16 and one then that's just nuts but I'm pretty sure even Giants fans don't expect them to just go undefeated the rest of the year being five and one gives you a nice little cushion <laughs> gives you that little like okay well we lost this game but it's okay because we're still five and two and then you win it oh now we're six and two and then you lose another game you're like okay six and three isn't bad you know what I mean? The Dolphins, we just lost that cushion. But we also have one of the easiest schedules for the next seven weeks, so I'm not really worried about it. Then you have Travis Kelsey, obviously. I mean, wide receiver one for the Kansas City Chiefs, who did lose to the Bills. He had 19.2 fantasy points, caught 8 of 10 targets for 108. Surprised that he goes from four touchdowns last week to zero this week and still winds up top three tight end. Robert Tunyon. Shocker of the year? No, I'm just kidding. I have a lot of love for Robert Tunyon. He just hasn't been consistent and just hasn't had the opportunity to make plays. But this week, he got 10 of 12 targets for 90 yards. Good on you, buddy. 19 points. And then you got George Kittle. And it's not even that much, but I just want to mention him in there just because I know he's had really, really crappy weeks. He caught 8 of his 10 targets, 83 yards for 16.3 fantasy points. 
Now on to our bummers of the week. First, obviously, starting off with our quarterbacks. Aaron Rodgers, yet another disappointing performance. Don't know what's going on over there in Green Bay. I do expect them to figure it out. I did see something that was um, funny, kind of a stretch, but the last time they started 3-3 three and three was Aaron Rodgers' first Super Bowl win. And hey, who knows? If the Dolphins don't win a Super Bowl, I'm down with Aaron Rodgers winning his second. Aaron Rodgers had 12.84 fantasy points this week, had 246 passing yards and a touchdown. Nothing really too crazy. After that, Geno Smith finally coming back down to earth because I have no idea what has been going on and we'll never understand how he's been playing so well. <clears throat> I'm not even going to say playing so well. You really break down his stats. It's not that he's playing so well. The team overall has been playing better than expected. I do expect them to miss the playoffs. I do expect them to fall off. Um, if I had to predict a record for them right now, I would say 6-11. and 11. Mark it down. It's on the podcast. 6-11. and 11. After Geno, Justin Herbert, terrible. In a week that the Chargers and Russell Wilson, I'm sorry, the Chargers and the Broncos, play against one another. Justin Herbert and Russell Wilson play against one another. I would have never guessed that Russell Wilson would have scored, especially how this season has gone, more than Justin Herbert has fantasy-wise, or did fantasy-wise. Justin Herbert had 8.42 fantasy points. He completed 37 of 57 passing attempts. 37 of 57 for 238 yards. No touchdowns and one interception. That is crazy bad. Then I move on to our wide receiver bummers this week. Starting off with CeeDee Lamb. I mean, it's not really as bad of a performance, but he had 12.7 fantasy points, caught five of his 10 targets for 68 yards. T. Higgins, who was a game-time decision, I mean, it was a better performance than he had last week as a game-time decision after not playing basically past the first uh, series. He had 10.7, caught six of his 10 targets for 47 yards. Christian Kirk, once again, after the hot start to the season, another not-so-good week, kind of bailed himself out with a touchdown. He caught four of his five targets for 23 yards and a touchdown. Deontay Johnson, once again, Looks like he's starting to fall off. I mean, Chase Claypool did go off this week. I, I'm not picking Claypool over Deontay. I'm still not picking picking Pickens over Deontay. But Deontay Johnson had only 8.8. He caught five of his seven targets for 28 yards. Mike Evans, he only had 8.2 fantasy points, caught four, four, four of his four targets for 42 yards. I mean, <clears throat> the Buccaneers offense basically outside of Leonard Fournette. Completely struggled. Drake London, another game of him looking average. That's seven fantasy points. Caught three of his four targets for 40 yards. I mean, there wasn't a lot of targets to go out there. <laughs> Was it 13 to 14 for Mariota? DK Metcalf, after having the greatest game that he's had all fucking fantasy year. He had 5.4 fantasy points. Not for lack of targets, because he only caught two of seven. I mean, is Geno Smith throwing the most accurate ball? Did he throw? No. I'm sure he would have had a better opportunity with a different quarterback, but 
whoever wants to ride the Geno Smith hype train, you go ahead and do that. After Metcalf, we got Mike Williams, another terrible performance from him. 3.7 fantasy points, caught two of his six targets for 17. DJ Moore, who I started yet again, not with no Baker, with a interim head coach, thinking, oh, P.J. Walker, terrible, trash. He had 3.7 fantasy points, cut three of his seven targets for only seven yards, abysmal. Tyler Lockett, short king himself, 3.7 fantasy points this week, caught two of his five targets, 17 yards, and then Corlin Sutton and his terrible performance, who helped me win a game in my high school league. I played against the guy who beat me last year in the championship game. Going into Monday night, I was up 106 to, let's just call it 100. It was like 99.7, something like that. And all he had left was Cortland Sutton. And I'm thinking for sure, I'm like, I lost. I don't even care. I didn't even watch the game. Like, I would just look at ESPN once in a while or I'd open the app. And it started getting into that fourth quarter and... Corlin Sun still only had, or he had like two catches. This, I mean, that's all he had. He had the two catches for 14 yards off three targets. And I'm just looking, I'm like, oh my God, I might squeak out a win. So thank you so much, Corlin Sun, for helping me be second place in that league and sending Max to the slums where he belongs. Next, running back duds, Najee Harris leading him off 11.9 fantasy points. Kind of hard for Najee Harris, but like I feel bad. I know I kind of like I talked a little shit about him before the season started, and I didn't have a lot of belief in him, but it wasn't to this point. Like I would never have ranked him below an RB two. At this point, he's looking like a flex or a waiver wire option. How bad he's played this year. He did have his a touchdown, but yeah, only eleven point nine had fourteen rushes, forty two yards, caught two of seven targets, so the opportunities were there. And had that one touchdown uh, passing, so or catching, but yeah, just not good enough. Eno Benjamin, who was the hottest waiver wire pickup with James Conner not playing, had only 9.5, had 15 rushes for 37 yards, three catches for 28, no scores, obviously, nothing crazy. David Montgomery, I mean, the whole Bears offense was terrible on Thursday, but David Montgomery had nine points. Ran the ball 15 times, 67 yards. Had a catch for like, I mean, just doesn't even, doesn't matter. Nick Chubb, I don't even care that, I mean, he's been so consistent and so consistently great on the field and fantasy wise. That's not even something to really talk about, but he did have his first bad performance this year. He had eight fantasy points, 12 rushes, 56 yards, had a catch, 14 yards. I mean, they played the Patriots. Patriots were rolling. Is what it is. Clyde Edwards Hilaire has finally fallen off the planet after having all these crazy weeks. He had 3.3 points, 9 rushes, 33 yards. That's it. Melvin Gordon, who found himself benched at some point on Monday night, had 0.8 fantasy points. Melvin Gordon is one of those guys. He's like Daryl Henderson right now with Cam Akers being a uh, a no-show, MIA, thinking, okay, um... Javante Williams out for the season. Melvin Gordon, clear RB2, now RB1. Should be, you know, getting all these touches, catching the ball. And like he was always 
good at catching the ball out of the backfield. He was a high high scorer. Usually, when he has years on the Chargers, great player fantasy wise. He gets benched in this game, not injured at all, just benched. 0.8 fantasy points. Whoever started him, I'm sorry. And then Jeff Wilson, one of the few reasons, one of the many reasons that Virgil lost this week and had probably the worst fantasy performance of this league this year. Jeff Wilson had 0.5 fantasy points. Ran the ball seven times. Did not get benched. <laughs> he ran the ball seven times for 25 yards, but he had a fumble. So it took his 2.5, which is already trash, to 0.5. Crazy. And the craziest part is that he can have a performance like that and the next week drop 25. Not yards, fantasy points. So how do you just bench him off of this performance? Then I go on to the tight end bummers. Kyle Pitts did have a touchdown first time in the United States, but only had 9.9 .9 fancy points because his first touchdown was in London. Whatever. You can understand that. Um, he caught all three of his targets, 19 yards, had a touchdown. David Njoku, 8.8 .8 fantasy points, caught three of six targets, 58. I mean, it's not like David Njoku is relied upon, but like how thin the tight end fucking class is this year for fantasy. After you have a couple good performances, you're kind of just hoping for the best. And the way the Patriots were able to shut down the Browns this week. I mean, I mean, Amari Cooper had a decent performance, but that was pretty much it. I mean, even Nick Chubb had a terrible performance, so it shouldn't be shocking that Njoku was a no-show. Gerald Everett, 7.9, about 5 of 7 targets, 29 yards. I mean, he did have a strong start to the year, but... It's just like one, tight ends are just heartbreakers, man. You think somebody's consistent, and then there they go, just breaking your heart, having a terrible performance, being irrelevant. Dallas Goddard, same thing. Pretty decent start to the year, was a little consistent. Now here he is, 4.2 fantasy points. Got two of five targets for 22 yards. Tyler Higby, another one. Crazy. Cooper Cup's clone. The white boy that Matthew Stafford loves to throw to. He only had 1.7 fancy points. 1.7. He only had two targets. And his one catch was for seven yards, obviously. 1.7 point. Terrible. And that was another player that Virgil started. Shout out to my boy Virgil. I'm so sorry, buddy. Well, those were all my stunners and bummers. Now I move on to our matchup recaps from last week. Before I go into this segment, I do need to start off with an apology. This last week, I did not do a preview episode disclosing our dog match and match of the week. As I was taking notes and writing down the segments for like, or writing down what I was going to speak about on these segments, I was like, maybe I can just pick some type of dog match and match of the week. But unfortunately, it would be too biased because I already see who won and who lost. And just going by the standings and the way some teams won and lost this week, it just didn't seem right. So I'm just going to completely ignore any type of match or dog match of the week, unfortunately, and work to be better. It's just the way the schedule went. I did not prioritize making a preview before this last Thursday's game because I knew it was going to be trash. And then just the way my schedule worked out, I just ended up not making one. Well, with any further delay, 
let me go into our matchups from last week. First matchup I'm going over is me versus Luigi. Luigi took this one. That motherfucker. 126 to 95.52. I fall down to 2 and 4, and Luigi goes up to 2 and 4. I still have the tiebreaker because we're going off points, and I have whatever, maybe 10 more points in him, but we're both down in the slums regardless. This week, my highest scorer was Deion Jackson, as I spoke about earlier. My second highest scorer was Joe Mixon. The difference? About 11.3 points. Deion Jackson had 28.1. Joe Mixon had 16.8. Then Kyler Murray had 15.88. My fourth highest scoring team player, which is stupid because it's a defense, was the Rams for 11. Okay? DK Metcalf had 5.4. Curtis Samuel had 2.6. J.K. Dobbins, who didn't play in the second half, had 1.5. Should have had him in the bummers. Taysom Hill, because T.J. Hawkinson was on a bye. I mean, T.J. Hawkinson had a terrible week last week anyways. Two. Taysom Hill had 4.54 after balling out last week. It's just, it's just embarrassing, man. And obviously, I started DJ Moore at 3.7. And then the one week, so like I, the night I said on Saturday, right? I go and I look, like, oh man, Deion Jackson's actually here. Pick him up, put him in my lineup. And now I have to have the internal discussion of if I should bench Allen Robinson or not. And anybody in the world would have told you, especially because I had Allen Robinson in the league last year where I held on for quite a while, waiting for that turnaround. This year, I, it's hard for me to do the same, and I did. I went all these weeks. I have started him every week up until this week. To me, J.K. Dobbins was non-negotiable. I left him in. DeAndre Swift is what has been hurt, but he was on a bye regardless. And I, already, and I put Deion Jackson in, and I didn't know if I wanted to bench Moore or Robinson. The answer was... J.K. Dobbins, but unfortunately I, I did not come up with that correct answer. Because on my bench, Allen Robinson decided to have 17.3 points, which is not like, you know, world-breaking, oh my god, you know, he's finally shutting up the haters, no. And, and, and if I would have started Robinson, I wouldn't have necessarily won this game because I had D.K., Samuel, Taysom Hill all beat terrible, but it's just funny how I even said it to Luigi before that game started on Sunday. I said, man, it's going to be so funny because the week that I decide to bench him, he's probably going to go off. But if I would have left him in, even though I know it's not how the world works, if I would have left him in, he would have had another terrible week. But, you know, that's just my luck. For Luigi, Stefan Diggs, highest score, 30.8 fantasy points. Justin Fields had 19.4. Kenneth Walker had 19. Donald Mooney had 13.8. Brian Robinson had the 12. Shout out to Brian Robinson for scoring a touchdown after getting shot. Shout out to Brian Robinson coming back in the season before Keenan Allen comes back from a hamstring injury after getting shot. It's kind of embarrassing. I mean, Luigi and me and Luigi are kind of in the same position right now. I mean, obviously, because we're both 2-4. and four. If you look at the way our league is right now, it's basically like Kyle undefeated at 6-0. and 
Then you have Calvin and Frank who are five and one, like two or three teams who are four and two, and then the rest. Next week, I will be playing Kyle, so I'm probably chalked. And next week, Luigi plays Frank, who Frank has been one of the best teams in this league the whole year. So we might both be chalked. I mean, not more chalked than Corey and Angel, but we'll get there. The next matchup I'm going over, speak of the devil, Kyle versus Virgil. Kyle took this one, 129.32 to 74.72. I'm so sorry, Virgil. I don't even, I mean, I'm just going to save the disappointment for the second part. I'll go over Kyle's team first. I like to go over the winning team first. Kyle didn't even have, compared to Kyle's other uh, weeks, as he's been 6-0 and and has not lost, this is probably one of his lowest scoring performances. CMC let him off, 22.8. Mahomes, 21.62. Brees Hall, 20.1. Was Brees Hall not? No, fuck Brees Hall. Fuck the Jets. Travis Kelsey, 19.2. Those four guys, and I love doing these stats when I do the matchup recap, those four guys scored enough to beat Virgil. Enough said. I don't even need to don't even talk about it after that. For Virgil, his highest score was Austin Eckler. Another great week, 24.3. After that, his second highest score was 12 points behind. Well, you know, through 11 point, whatever. I don't care. We round up here. Tyler Boyd, 12.6. Then he had Donovan Peoples-Jones. When you're starting Donovan Peoples-Jones, you just know you're, you know, you got some buys going on. I'll tell you that. Donovan Peoples-Jones, 11.6. That was it. Right? Those three guys. Eckler, 24.3. Boyd, 12.6. Donovan Peoples-Jones, 11.6. Those are the only three positions, players, whatever, on his team to score over 10. And you have Justin Herbert, 9.42. Jeff Wilson, as I mentioned before he started, 0.5 points. Tyler Higby, 1.7. Kareem Hunt, 1.2. Cortland Sutton, 3.4. Jeff Wilson, Tyler Higby, Kareem Hunt, and Cortland Sutton combined for 6.4 fantasy points. That's, I mean... I'm sorry. Like, I feel pity on that. That's crazy. I, this, I mean, you see it every year. There's always, like, those very, very disappointing and terrible fantasy performances, which are you are under your control. We got to remember where, where you don't play the game. <laughs> we just, you know, select the players that we want to represent us. And sometimes they will not represent you the way you thought they would. Next week, obviously, as I said, Kyle will be playing me, probably going to 7-0. I hate my life. And Virgil will be playing Jordan, who's become one of the stronger teams in this league. The next matchup I'm going over is Carlos versus Corey. Carlos goes up to 2-4. and four. Corey falls down and continues to fall down to 0-5. You know that artwork um, thing you see a lot when we, like in cartoons when we were kids? Like the endless staircase art. Right, where it's just like staircase, 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 and I think I've seen like a Family Guy or something. You fall down, and they animate it, and like person just keeps falling and falling, and then they fall out of screen, and all of a sudden they appear on another side, and they're still falling and falling and falling. That is Corey right now, and his chances of being in the fantasy playoffs. 
for Carlos. Jamar Chase finally had a great week. He's had good weeks, but this is his first great week with 32.2 fantasy points. Ramon J. Stevenson, 25.1. Will Lutz, with 14 fantasy points, would have been Corey's third highest score. I mean, that that if, when you say it's a fact like that, right? I, I, maybe I should start doing this next week. Just finding crazy stats like that and facts and just like saying it before I announce who won or lost. And maybe giving like a three second pause so you can hear it and be like, oh yeah, they lost. And you'll be right. <laughs> Very bad. Saquon Barkley added 18.5. I mean, this is a win that Carlos needed. He's to go up to two and four. Me, Carlos, Luigi, all two and four. For Corey, his highest scorer, Robert Tunyon. If you would have asked him before the week started, he would have named probably like four other, five other players on his team that he would expect to score higher than Robert Tunyon. After Tunyon, Alvin Kamara, which would have been one of them. He had 18.4, not bad. Jacoby Myers falls back down to earth after all that hype around him. 10 points. Christian Kirk, 10.8. And then Carson Wentz, 4.6. I mean, if Mike Williams having that 3.7, I mean, it, it's crazy because if Mike Williams would have fell to me, and I'm pretty sure when, because Corey was the 12th overall, I was the 11th. And I let Williams go. If Williams would have came back to me on the turnaround, I'm pretty sure that's exactly what happened, that I was waiting to take him. I mean, it's not like my wide receivers, DJ Moore, Allen Robinson, have been any better. But I would have taken him too. I mean, I just, I guess all three receivers that I was targeting would have just disappointed me. So what do I know? I'm two and four. I'm trash. I mean, not as bad as Corey, but. Next week, Carlos will go up against Angel, who is still 0-5. And it's a little scary, because at some point, Angel's got to win. And Carlos is 2-4. I know he doesn't want to go down to 2-5. So, we'll see how that matchup turns out. And next week, Corey will probably go to 0-6, because he's playing Calvin. And the only reason I beat Calvin is because Calvin had his worst... After I beat Calvin, he's just been on fire, so... Calvin had his worst fantasy week this year against me. Next matchup I'm breaking down, Jordan versus Angel. Jordan took this one, 136.4 to 128.78. Not a bad matchup whatsoever. As I said earlier, if Kirk Cousins would have been started for Jordan, then Jordan would have lost this matchup. But Jordan, whether it was because of my advice or deep thoughts with himself, Decided to start Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow had 32.5. Tyreek Hill had 29.7. Lazard, 17.6. Cooper Cup, not having a great week. I didn't have him. Actually, I think this is the first week this year that I didn't even have him in our stunners. But he did have 16.7, so he wasn't a bummer either. Ezekiel Elliott had a decent week this week in that loss, 15.6. The only notable bad performance for me, he had a couple others, but... The way this year has been, you can't just call out everyone every week. But Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who has had a really great year, only had that 3.3, but it didn't matter because he still took the W. For Angel, he didn't have big performances, but he had solid solid perform- performances all around. Jalen Waddle, 16.9. Gabriel Davis, 16.4. Miles Sanders, 14.2. Chris Godwin, 15.5. Zach Ertz, 14. Daryl Henderson, 13.2. Najee Harris, that, I mean, 
I just feel bad, man. <laughs> if I would have looked at Jordan and said, hey, man, you've got to start Kirk Cousins, Angel would have got this dub. That's not my fault. Next week, Jordan plays Virgil. Virgil's coming off of a game where he just got obliterated. So I expect a bounce back. I know he had some buys in there. And Angel will be playing Carlos, as I already said, obviously. And, I mean, it's kind of like both of those games are kind of set up as, like, beware games, you know? Jordan should beware of Virgil because Virgil does have a good team. Right? Jeff Wilson having .5, it's not going to happen again. Tyler Higby, I mean, the guests are on the bye week, so that doesn't matter. Oh, well, actually, Jordan, you're looking good. (laughs) Virgil might take another L. But as long as Carlos and Angel is concerned, I'm still looking on that upset alert. Next matchup is Calvin versus Sean. Calvin moves up to 5-1. and one. Sean falls to 4-2. and two. Sean, who was definitely hindered by his bye weeks. Calvin had 122.4, which is a low-end score for Calvin's team. Sean had 102. For Calvin, Pittman, 26.4. Lamar Jackson, 17.1. George Kittle, 16.3 from Luigi. C.D. Lamb, 12.7. I mean, he just had solid performances. Nothing crazy. He was able to score enough to beat. I mean, when you look, when I read out this thing for Sean, is the thing is that his highest score was 17.7, A.J. Brown. Second highest score, 16.9, Jalen Hurts. Debo Samuel, only 16. Joshua Palmer, Palmer 14.7. I mean, the, Sean had a really strong start to the season. I mean, obviously, so did Calvin. These are two of the best-built teams in our league right now. Solid players. And Sean was without Josh Jacobs and without Damian Pierce. You add those two to this lineup this week, and he definitely wins this game. Right? It's just funny how, I mean, how fancy football works. It just is what it is. It's a lot of luck, a lot of skill, a lot of patience, and a lot of timing. Right? We're not out there on the field. We're not the coaches. We don't draw out the plays. Right? There's there's maybe like 15 to 20 players in the league at all times that are like must starts, guaranteed starts, maybe 25 players if you want to stretch it, but that are like, you know, they're going to ball. And when they don't, you don't even, you don't care. You don't mind it because it just is what it is. It just happens sometimes. But other than that, you know they're going to ball out. And then everything else beyond those guys is just luck. Luck. Matchups. Play calling. Injuries. It's hard. It's fun. It's fun to win. But it's hard. It's hard when you lose. Because once that offseason hits, you got about seven or eight months of waiting to draft again and redo it all over. Next week, Calvin plays Corey. I mean, that's a dub. I don't even care. I'm not even talking about that. And after that, Sean will be playing Joe. Joe, who I'm about to talk about, is coming off of a loss. Sean's coming off of a loss. They will both be 4-2 and two in their matchup. Both have strong teams. Both looking to get back on top. That might actually end up being my match of the week. The last matchup that I am going over now is Frank versus Joe. Frank moves up to five and one. Joe falls to four and two. 
Frank took this one easily. 148.96 to 115.24. Frank's highest score this week, which you wouldn't have guessed, Brandon Ayuk, 28.3. Josh Allen doing what he does, 26.36. Juju reminding the world that he can have a good game here and there, <laughs> 22.3. Dalvin Cook, 15.3. Devin Singletary, 14.7. Mike Cooper, 14.4. Just strong and solid performances all around for Frank. Easy for him to get to that 148 mark, basically 149. For Joe, his top scorer, Mark Andrews, 23.6, which is a low point for him. He's used to having Justin Jefferson up in those 30s. After Mark Andrews, Leonard Fournette, 22.1. Justin Jefferson, 16.7. Devontae Smith, 15.4. And after that, everybody else has kind of sucked. He started KJ Osborne this week. I don't know who gave him that advice. I mean, I know he's a Dolphins fan. I don't know why he's hating on us so much that he thinks that after Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen were both playing and healthy. And he thinks that he can put Osborne in there and that he's going to go off on the Dolphins. Kind of crazy, bro. I mean, you work at the stadium. You should know what's up. Ain't no third string wide receiver balling on us like that. And then he also started Elijah Moore, who wound up with a fat donut. And then, I mean, it really just looks like that Sean and Joe will be my match of the week next week. Both 4-2, and two looking for big bounce backs to continue their year. And after Luigi beating me and having two trades that got rid of half of the players on the team from the draft, he'll be playing Frank next week. Who Frank, as I just spoke about, had 149. Five and one. Just beat the reigning champion. Well, anyways, guys, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Can't have it be so long every time I do a recap. Don't forget, two for one all day, every day. I will not be there on Saturday. I have a beautiful baby shower to go to for my nephew. Sunday, I will be at the Steelers game. I don't care. The Dolphins are going to win. Book it. I'm going to do a ma uh, score prediction right now. I just want it on the record. I got the Dolphins beating the Steelers. 31 to 14. See you guys next time. <laughs>